0: Blog Talk Radio. is our union show. Uh, we'll start off with a few articles from the AFL-CIO Now blog. And then at 8.15 we'll be having a conversation with our regular guest, um, who is the Public Affairs Coordinator for Council 4 of ASME out of Hartford, out of New Britain, Connecticut. I always say Hartford, and it's in New Britain and uh, Larry will be with you. will be calling him at 8.15. So we'll be talking to him. But in the meantime, this is an important thing. Uh, We should all tell Congress to restore the Voting Rights Act. If you can remember, uh, a little while ago, not too long ago, the U.S. Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act. Forty-nine years ago today, President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And that has been the cornerstone of the civil rights movement by ensuring that every American citizen, regardless of race or language, has equal access to the vote. But about a year ago, the US Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act. Let's read a little more. See what else. In addition, the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights warns that states and localities around the country are making changes to elections that would take away the right to vote for some people based solely on the color of their skin or the language they speak. Since 2010, 22 states have passed laws restricting the right to vote. There is a bill in Congress that would restore the ability of the Voting Rights Act to protect voters nationwide from discrimination at the ballot box. The Voting Rights Amendment Act, H.R. 3899-S, 1945, was introduced in January and except for one Senate hearing has seen no further action in the Senate or State House. But if you go to the AFL-CIO blog now, you can help. Bring this bill forward. There's a petition to sign to your Senate and House member urging them to move forward with the Voting Rights Act amendment. Every day Congress fails up to its constitutional obligation to protect the right to vote. It gives a free pass to voting discrimination. And I agree with that. I think it's really, really important. So please go to, to go to the AFL-CIO blog and sign the petition to... Uh, reinstate the Voting Rights Act. Yeah, for your senator and your House member to sign, to push forward the Voting Rights Act. It's really, really important to have that amendment passed. I mean, I think it was unconscionable what that Supreme Court did. Yeah, they gutted
1: it. It's still there, but they gutted it and said, oh, there's yes. no discrimination in the world yeah, anymore. Right. So, uh,
0: yeah, you can take out all this stuff. And here's another thing. Um that's important in this blog. It says, Wall Street speculators push Argentina into default. Endangered world economy. And so let's read a little more about that. I haven't heard anything about that, really. Yeah, we've heard we've, little. Uh,
1: Even the news has actually carried
0: some of it. I don't know, BBC maybe. But Not too much, though. Not much. Wall Street speculators are pushing Argentina into default, and the rest result could be devastating for the people of Argentina, destabilizing for the global economy. And I guess Spain lent them uh, a lot of money, and it was the hedge fund investors that were in trouble. In 2001, after more than four years of severe recession, Argentina defaulted on more than $81 billion in debt, much of which was incurred by a military dictatorship. The default led to weeks of political instability and chaos, with five presidents in less than two weeks. But after Nestor Kirchner became president in early 2002, Argentina renegotiated its debt with the great majority of creditors and pursued economic policies based on high-quality employment for the first time in decades. The result was a quick turnaround for the Argentine economy, and Argentina became one of the fastest growing economies in the world between 2010 and 2011. Unemployment, <coughs> excuse me, poverty and inequality in Argentina all fell dramatically. In the following years, more than 90% of Argentina's creditors agreed to restructure the country's debt, and Argentina made all debt payments to these creditors on time. However, problems arose when Wall Street hedge funds bought up Argentine debt at a steep discount, as little as 20 cents on the dollar, betting they could make a killing by suing Argentina in U.S. courts and recovering the full value of the debt. The bold gamble of these hedge funds, sometimes called vulture funds, paid up big time when a U.S. district court judge ruled in their favor, not only must Argentina pay them full value of their debt holdings, but U.S. banks will not be allowed to process Argentina's debt payments to its other creditors. In June, a New York bank refused to process Argentina's regular debt payment of $539 million, promoting the credit rating agency Standard & Poor's to declare Argentina in default. So
1: the banks refused to take their money.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The gamble by Wall Street speculators and this will be all be the bankers oh, yeah, who are yeah, speculating yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they have the inside track could mean a return to economic dislocation and political instability in Argentina. The standoff is already keeping Argentina from borrowing on international capital markets and damaging the Argentine economy. It could also have serious repercussions for global financial markets and could prolong the misery of overly indebted countries in the future. The lawsuit was wrought by a subsidiary of Elliott Management, the hedge fund firm run by billionaire Republican donor Polly Sanger. Nobel Prize-winning economist Joseph Stieglitz says, Singer and Elliott have already done a lot of damage, Warned Stieglitz. We don't know how big the explosion will be, and it's not just about Argentina. So they're just wrecking the world economy. Yeah. And draining you any remember,
1: money that they we we talked about that with um with uh, Greg Balless. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: And he was called the Vulture Capital or Vulture economy What what was the name? Vultures and, and yeah. banksters or something.
0: Banksters. Yeah, bank, yeah, I've forgotten what that book was. Banksters and the Vultures or something like that.
1: It's really pretty scary. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did to uh these other countries mm-hmm. some of these big
0: firms just, just go in and buy the debt at nothing and and uh then you know, turn around and, and you and, and abuse sue. the court. Yeah, exactly. And because they have the inside track and they're all bankers yeah. who are probably buying up this stuff anyway. That's it. And uh they get the courts to go along with them because they're American citizens. Well
1: not just that, they yeah, they pay the courts who knows to what's verify.
0: going on. It's just—it's you know, it's terrible. terrible. Yeah. To destroy a country and a people that That's way true. is horrible. I don't think it's right, and I think an end should be put to that kind of business it practice. Be it should be ended. It should not. It's it should criminal. Be it should be illegal, yeah, to buy up um, financial debt from the uh, Okay, here's something. Family leave turns 21. Now it's time for paid sick leave. Since the Family and Medical Leave Act took effect on August 5, 1993, the groundbreaking law has been used 100 million times and has helped 36 million workers keep their health insurance and jobs while taking care of a newborn child, themselves, or a family member during serious illness. Let's see what else. First introduced in Congress in 1984, it took nearly 10 years to overcome a well-funded campaign against the legislation by corporations and two successful vetoes by George W. Bush before President Bill Clinton signed it into law. The Family Leave Act, unpaid leave with job protections was a good first step. But today there are millions of workers who can't afford to take time off for their own or loved one's illness. Forty percent of all private sector workers don't have any paid sick days, and that doubles to 80% for low-wage workers. That's why there is a growing move across the nation from Congress to state houses to city halls to pass paid family leave sick legislation. Just last week, city councils in San Diego and Eugene, Oregon, passed paid sick day measures. Overall, nine cities and the state of Connecticut now have paid sick leave laws, and efforts are underway in a number of other cities and states. It was a major topic of conversation at the recent White House Summit on Working Families. On the federal level last year, Senator Tom Harkin, Democrat from Iowa, and Representative Rosa Deloro, Democrat, Connecticut, introduced the Healthy Families Act, which would give workers, <clears throat> excuse me, the opportunity to earn paid sick leave they could use for personal illness or to take care of sick family members among other uses. So this is important. People should have paid sick leave. You know, I I think it's important that they do because, you know, you have, when you're raising a family, you have sick kids and you need to stay home to take care of them. And perhaps you have an elderly parent that you're taking care of. So there are all kinds of you know things that come up for people today. You know, we have a lot of responsibility on both ends for for your children on one end and for sometimes for parents on the other and then for yourself too. So it's important to have some family sick leave, I think, and paid leave. Let's see what else is here. about two to three minutes. Let's see. The truth. Some very smart business people want to raise the minimum wage. With the recent news of $15 an hour wages in the city of Seattle and minimum wages going up in many other cities, it's a bit like dominoes. But they're people, and those people are changing the world. So what is this? City of St. Petersburg empl- employees want $15 per hour minimum wage. Well, I hope they get it. And that isn't even what people in other countries get. They get much more than that. The, minimum wage.
2: Wage. Yeah. the union tonight, representing hundreds of city workers in St. Petersburg, are asking for
0: a living wage at... Whoop, I meant... The city may have the money in it. Sorry folks. I'm
1: trying to get my I'll put that on
0: again. The volume is not is not up there on that. No. Uh, so I'm sorry about that. Yeah. If you can read
1: that um, if you can I'm going to uh, call Larry right now. I Okay. That was the
0: message. It's bad, it's
3: getting
0: The since and to be or an hour, one I'm going to have to shut this off because I think we're going to have Larry. And we'll play that again later. On so this blog that are interesting and... Let's see what else they have while well, Leo's drinking. Uh, Maryland taxi drivers join the National Taxi... ...tackling the root causes of the refugee crisis at the U.S. Hey, Leo. Oh, good hey. evening, Larry. How are you?
1: Good, guys. How you
2: doing?
0: Uh, we're doing well. Very well. How? What? What? What have you been up to? You've been out talking and <laughs> every evening.
2: Uh, just a night in, uh yeah, a long night in Norwalk last night. We're fighting yet another uh, outsourcing effort. Um, so yeah. we were in Norwalk at the Board of Education last night. We're just you know seeing hmm. a lot of these uh, reckless outsourcing uh, efforts going on. So.
0: They outsourcing uh, like uh, kitchen work and um, they
2: Bristol outsour- is... Uh, Bristol were fighting for the cat workers. Norwalk was about... Is about the custodians.
0: Oh, boy.
2: yeah. School custodians. And they want to hire, with really no public review, uh, very little, if any, transparency, uh, one of, two of the companies of, uh, you know, long list of labor violations and uh, sanitary violations. Uh, one company has uh, a guy, a cleaner, who got arrested for wanting to uh, suck the toes of a girl at one of the colleges where they were hired. And, oh you know, that's, God. yeah, and it's, you know, and it's not funny, you, you know, when you hear that, because, you know, our people get background checked, fingerprinted, um, and all that. And, you know, if they do something, they're going to get uh, fired. And a uh, private company comes in. Uh, they're not going to give the same effort or have the same ability as the incumbent workforce.
0: That's right, and you know if we don't draw the line, you know they just move up the chain. You know it may start. It starts with you know kitchen workers and custodians, and then then it will right. be outsourcing, uh, paraprofessionals, and then it moves up to teachers. You know people think it's not yeah. But the erosion begins, and if you don't draw the line, it could happen to you.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, I always say if uh, these kind of uh, elitists at the newspapers and in the media actually got outsourced, they'd start to uh, take our side instead of saying it was a good thing.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, people shouldn't should be concerned about these kinds of things because if it weren't yep. for unions, we'd, we'd have total outsourcing.
2: Yeah, and, you know, we have a lower quality of life, lower consumer spending and activity in our communities, and, uh, you know, one of our custodians said it. We do a lot more than clean the toilets, although that's important. Um, you know, one custodian was talking about, uh, and his son goes to the school where he cleans, and he said, you know, I, not because my son is there, but there's a, uh, they're only required to clean up to a 25-foot radius beyond the playground in, uh, at this elementary school in Norwalk. And he's, you know, he goes way beyond that radius because he feels like no parent or kid or, uh, someone from the community should step on broken glass or, you know, look at, uh, uh, trash in, uh, on a playground, you know, so our, our guys, uh, give a hundred percent and then some, so it's a real slap in their face and, um, outsourcing put the, you know, put the community on a downward spiral, but, uh, the politicians and the media, you know, all the elite, they don't, they don't suffer the consequences of outsourcing. They actually reap the benefits of it, and that's the problem.
0: Yeah, the, those right now reap the benefits. But we're on a downward spiral if if all of this continues, because eventually sure. it will affect them. It takes time. Most definitely. But, they, but they're very huh? short-sighted, and they're very, I want my reward now, and I don't care what yeah. happens to anybody else.
2: Well, I don't you know, think it's their reward. Hmm. Yeah,
1: what about? I wanted to ask you, Larry, about about this clown uh, McKinney. Yeah. What What is this McKinney and Walker all about, anyway? I mean, where <laughs> do they
0: come
1: from? And what, and
2: they're, uh, you know, yeah,
1: that's a, well,
2: you know, they're um, they're the one percenters. You know, I don't. Uh, uh, that's the best way I can describe them. You know, they want to cut state employees. They want to cut. Um, municipal employees, they want to outsource, they want to privatize, they want to get rid of the income tax um, so rich people can keep more of their money. Um, you know, all the things that have gotten us into trouble, <laughs> they just want to uh, replicate. You know, the only thing is I, I don't think they stand much of a chance in the Republican primary.
1: But, then, but what, yeah, I know, what I don't understand is, that I, I don't understand what well, they plan to cut uh, all... All working class, uh, all, all middle income uh, people from uh, from the state uh, tax uh, to make an right. attempt. To make taxes. How in the hell are they going to do that?
0: Well, they aren't. It would they, never can and,
1: and with a with a 12 billion or 15 billion dollar deficit, and you
0: know. Well, they aren't. They aren't. Even if they if they did get in a position where they could do it, they won't. It's just like it's yeah. like a, you know, no, a, it's yeah, a, yeah. a bait and it switch is what do. it is. That's all. I don't see that Well and
2: and I give them I give them a little bit of credit for their honesty at least they're saying what they would do whereas Foley is um trying to maintain relative silence with regard to uh unions and public employees but you know you saw what happened he went to a factory uh in Sprague trying to maintain that it's uh possibly it's closing down because of Malloy's failed economic policies and the workers uh basically told him to take a hike and that, they resented him coming in there and blaming them, and then the plan manager threw him, uh, Foley, in the press out and said, "We our guys have to get back to work." It was it was a disaster. Foley is so uncomfortable with workers when he he can't directly exploit them. So, uh, but he's you know he's trying to keep a low profile because I think he's I think the polls have him um, comfortably ahead in the Republican primary. So he's trying not to uh, say or do anything that'll hurt his standing until uh, after the primary. That's that's my read on it and i certainly could be wrong on that
0: well that's kind of what i was thinking so um that's you know he really hasn't said anything the the only the only thing in his ads is is that he's a good friend to his, his wife and uh some guy down the street i mean <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah I saw, I saw that but uh, you know if you and your your uh listeners or um users on the web get the um chance you know go do a search on Foley in uh, the town of Sprague and, you know, go see the video of his press conference. It's really, you know, it's cringe-worthy, It's cringe-inducing to see him try to interact with workers and just totally get thrown off his game, getting argumentative with the press and with workers and with the state senator who showed up unannounced. It was, uh, you know, um, if he weren't such a jerk, you'd feel a little bit embarrassed for him.
0: Well, it it sounds like he's unable, from what you how you're describing this, he's unable to go with the flow. He's a very, um, he if things are staged for him and he has maybe a teleprompter, he'd be fine, but he'd be in, be unable to cope with changes very easily. That's what it sounds like. Right. If,
2: if yeah, had, and
0: you know, they, yeah, they're all
2: yes, that's absolutely right. He's he's just not. You know, he's not a very extemporaneous or spontaneous person. And, uh, and, again, I think he's really comfortable, uncomfortable, I should say, uncomfortable around working-class people. I just That's just not who he's, you know, like I said, unless he's putting them out of work or exploiting them in some other fashion. Um, you know, Foley and all these Republicans, they're, you know, look, if if they had it their way, we'd all be eating fish heads and rice,
1: you know. Oh,
0: yeah. But what? you
1: know you know I, there's another strange character that's come on the political scene recently with these ads is uh a woman named Penny Bakiaki. Have you heard yep. of her? Yep. Well, yeah,
2: she's a Republican state representative. She's essentially on Foley's ticket.
0: Oh,
1: okay. All right. Do you know do you know that it was like it it was weird as hell because I've been watching these sh her out than seeing these ads in the morning. And uh they, you know, not only can we not stand her name but we can't stand the fact that she didn't even have any, she wasn't even running for anything. And she she put wouldn't most say. Of her, most of her ads in the beginning. Now they finally put lieutenant governor or something, but before she ran almost a, a month's worth of ads saying that, not explaining what she was running for. That, right, right. Not only that, but with no experience other than being a, a businesswoman and a mother. <laughs> and <laughs> being a tough adult. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, and you know, and, and
2: she's like, you know, like, you know, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, well, no, she definitely. I mean, you know, she was looking for name recognition, trying to kind of burnish her her name and reputation with with voters in the primary next week. But uh, you know, she's another. She's a conservative Republican. She's, um, uh, you know, pro-gun, uh, anti-gun control. Uh, anti-public employee and union, so you know she's going to be spouting the same crap. She just doesn't want to quite overplay her hand yet.
1: The weird thing about Larry is that she didn't even get it on first base. I mean, she's got all this money behind her, but you know nobody even knew what she was running. She wouldn't even say well who, what, right, you know, what's right. Running? I mean, what kind so, of more you know, manager is that? You know.
2: But imagine that having that money, though, you know, and this is, you know, part of the problem in politics, right, is that, you know, there's too much money coursing through the system. Um, People, you know, these rank amateurs uh, who have really dangerous agendas get on the air, do their thing with uh, the backing. And with Citizens United, um, you may not even know where the money comes from. And um, so, you know, I I, I always give credit to... You know, I, I can't stand it when people will run from whatever their party or political philosophy is. You know, if you're a libertarian, say you're a libertarian. If you're a liberal, say you're a liberal. If you're a Democrat, say a Republican. And these folks all run away from this stuff.
0: Right. You know, it, uh, it, it basically their ads just irritate me. And I say to myself, even if I were a Republican, I wouldn't vote for these people because these ads are so poor. So like Leo
2: said, at first, you don't even know who Penny Bakayaki is. Um, right. And, you know, I drive, it just irritates me. I'll drive by signs, you know, political signs, and you don't see what party they are. Um, you know, everything has gotten so blended together, and, you know, the money is so corrupted, um, the entire electoral system or process that, you know, these candidates don't want to say what they stand for, and when they do, um, you know, it's kind of too late.
1: They don't even stand, they can't even stand up for their own party. You know, uh, it's, sort of right. ridiculous. it's
2: ridiculous. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's why i kind of, in a grudging way, I, I respect McKinney and David Walker. I actually, you know, I've met them on a couple of occasions. Um, you know, McKinney always says hello to me. I, you know, um, I've run into him a lot at the state capitol. He's a nice guy. I mean, I don't agree with one piece of his philosophy, or his suggestions or his policy um, positions, but he, you know he, he's a genuinely decent person, and um, at least he's saying what he stands for. He he wants to lay off my members. He wants to privatize services. He wants to cut taxes for the rich, and he wants to outsource uh, work to, to cheaper entities. At least he's saying what he would do, um, what, what, and you know, nice
1: guy is that Larry. What's huh? that? kind that a nice What kind of, a nice guy, what kind of well, a, I, guy is my well, favorite, I guess you know?
2: what I'm saying is is that at least if you're gonna stab me, stab me from the front and he's you know and then that that's <laughs> that, 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 doing it. That, yeah, I want to I want to see the shiv coming before it I uh, feel the pain. So um you know whereas Foley, like I said, Foley is absolutely being silent on state employees, on having a Scott Walker moment, a Wisconsin moment. You know, he's he's trying to run away from his very, his arch conservative, you know, radical right wing thinking. Um, you know, he's a Bush buddy. Uh, he was an architect of the disaster in Iraq. Um, uh, and you know, there's a report out about all of the corruption and mismanagement, uh, that happened with contracting, um, in that disaster of a war. So uh, this guy's got a lot to answer for yet. Nobody's asking the questions.
1: He was an ambassador to someplace
2: under Bush, wasn't he? Yeah, he was an ambassador to Ireland, but really he had
1: a hand in the disaster that was Iraq.
2: So, um, you know, that's why I say I, I give McKinney credit because at least he's saying what he stands for. And uh, would I vote for him? No. Um, but I, you know, in a way, um, I think it would be clearer for uh, uh, working people and for union members if they have a guy like that running for governor. So they know where he stands. Where as Foley's just going to try to keep quiet and fool people. That's my. That was really the point.
0: He just wants to be your best friend. That's all.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, I want to know what my enemy's doing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree with you. Do you do you think the um, economic problems that Connecticut has has it is gonna stand in Malloy's way. I mean uh I had heard or I don't know whether I heard or I read that um we got a bad rating on yeah, for thought, let, for lending, for we're borrowing. We're one of the top five. Worst. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have I mean here's the thing, it's definitely it's, it's uh I, I think in the end, yeah, you know the gun thing was controversial, whatever side of that issue you fell on. Um, I, I do think in the end, these elections often come down to how people feel about their pocketbook. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that's going to be a, bit, a major determining factor if, uh, in the election. Because and, and the truth is, you know, the economy, Connecticut's economy, needs some mm-hmm. radical restructuring of uh, how it collects revenue. Uh, how it taxes people uh, before we're, we can start to fix the problem, before we can fix our public schools and our public structures, our roads and bridges and public universities, et cetera. So um, it's just no easy job. And I think, you know, clearly at least I think we're in better shape than we would be if, if Malloy, we will be if Malloy is reelected. But, um, you know, there's got to be, there's the economy, the economic gold rooms aren't going to just disappear, Oh, there's so well, many factors that play into it.
0: He's had to make up for years of rolling in rel. Yeah. Yep. Um I mean it, it looks to people like it's his fault but he right. inherited a mess. He really did.
2: Yeah. Yep. Similar to Obama, you know, Obama um inherited a mess but uh, you know, uh didn't act as forcefully in some areas or, or wasn't able to act as forcefully you know at the national level or federal level as Malloy has I think in the uh, Connecticut think, level
0: Malloy's hmm.
1: what do you think he's going to do about the uh, about the uh, increase in in utility bills
0: yeah that's really they
1: want they want an astronomical amount of money for uh, I think
2: yeah and you know th- those companies those corporations are big contributors to the Democratic Party into Malloy so I, <laughs> I really don't I, I don't want to hazard a guess. I mean, um, uh, consumers need a break. And, you know, part of the problem, again, and it's it's a problem Malloy inherited, is that under Roland, they, you know, deregulated everything um, with utility deregulation, um, and there weren't real strong or stringent um, uh, consumer protection standards in place. So, you know, we're living with the result. Once again, living with the result of yet another uh, – industry deregulation so i don't know um where he stands on that or what he can do because again you know um they've also i just have to say you know they they're major donors to both parties but they've uh you know been um generous givers to the governor so uh that's to be determined
1: but he came down pretty hard on them which was good um you know what when they when this big mess happened uh with the storm you know when uh, he did
2: i i would I was impressed with him, actually, you know he showed leadership. He called out the CEO I mean the CEO uh, he absolutely you know resigned after uh, Malloy embarrassed him. I think so um, oh, he, you know that was right. encouraging
0: yeah i I was and, uh, impressed with and, uh, the way he handled that. What I like is that he too, yeah. he didn't let any time pass. he handled it right away, and that um, mm-hmm. I'm not a commuter to New York. But he's also doing a good job handling that situation. It seems,
2: right?
0: So we're on track. No pun yeah.
2: intended. But he's <laughs> trying. Yeah, yeah. I think he demonstrates. You know, I. You know, I, I think he demonstrates leadership, and he doesn't look to scapegoat. And you know, Chris Christie is uh, doing that again to. Um, public workers in New Jersey. He said, I'm not going to live up to our pension funding obligations. Uh welcome to the real world, public employees. Uh well, you know, this that you know, deciding not to pay into the pension system, which ought to be a crime but isn't, um is not responsible public policy. And you know, Christie's attitude is the public hates um, union members and public union members in particular. So, screw it. I'm not going to um, you know pay the requirement into the pension fund, and he that was basically his quote, welcome to the real world. this stuff happens all the time I mean it's horrific um uh an offensive and you know Malloy is not taking that position well
1: can't they couldn't they catch the union sue uh there's going you? to be
2: yeah it's going to be jammed it's going yeah they're I think they've already filed sue um you know, but the point is, I think that it's really easy to whip the public up in a frenzy against uh, union workers, and that's what Christie's decided to do strategically. You know, in part to burnish his reputation with the Tea Partiers and the conservatives if he runs for president. So, um, Malloy is trying to govern. You know, he can be tough and a bully, but you know, there's a big difference between leading and you know pandering. Christie's pandering, and I think Malloy is trying to lead.
0: Oh, a distinct difference between the two. I mean, Christy is, is, is just really a creep. I mean, he's a bully. He is. He's a
2: bully. He's a bully, he's a bully and a creep. Yep, that was well said. I mean, but, but
0: how uh, people but, vote for him, I don't understand. Because New Jersey, isn't that,
1: that that's where Tony Soprano came from.
0: You know, <laughs> he I'm, wasn't
1: uh, real. He was no, 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 but supposedly totally, there's uh, more Mahooch in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in New Jersey than any other state.
0: And don't they have Maybe that? Las Vegas. That- with the Jersey people, the Jersey, the Jersey
1: yeah, yeah, the Jersey, Jersey Shore, where they all
0: beat down. beat up each other or something. Yeah. I don't watch that. Yeah, but then I,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm being cruel
0: to the real people. the real
2: world the real world is bad enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you,
1: know, you can imagine them them uh, taking on a guy like a guy like Christie for
0: governor,
1: though. My God. Right. You know, I mean, after
0: after be... the bridge scandal, that was terrible. I, I'm I'm surprised he kept his job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's right. Got I mean yeah. that was amazing to me because you know it came from him. Yeah. yeah. I mean you just know absolutely. that.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yes, absolutely. So, so it's I mean, going to be interesting and.
0: Yes, I'm. I'm looking forward to to um, what right. happens politically. It's, it's really kind of an exciting time. I hope things turn out the way we want it to. <laughs> you
1: know, talking about bad governors, I I wanted to ask you if you've heard. I haven't heard anything about John Rowland recently. Have you? I know. Uh, other, other,
2: other than well, I'm I'm hearing stuff obviously for a different reason. I mean, the news has been you know the jury selection is beginning for his trial, so that's um, that's good. Um, you know, we have a lawsuit. A state employee sued uh, Roland uh, in, as an individual, um, and also what what
0: did you say? Sued him as an individual. Whoop. Oh, we lost him. Oh. Okay. Let me call him back. Yep. Uh, Did he go off? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, That's something must have happened there.
1: Huh. Take yeah, yeah. Sure. We'll Sometimes
0: back. these things happen. Folks, we'll, we'll call Larry back. Well, we're we going to tunnel or
1: something. Uh,
0: right.
2: Hi, it's Larry Dorman at Council 4, and I'll be out of the office on August 1st. Please leave your name, number, and a brief message, and I'll return the call on Monday. Thanks.
0: To disconnect, press 1. If you still want to leave a message for this person, press 3, or simply stay on the line. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hi, Larry. It's Lila. We tried to call you back. Um, do you want him to call us? Yeah, and
1: give him the number, 646-915-9505. Again, that's 646-915-9505. You can try us there. Okay. We're on for another 20 minutes. Where okay. It is? Okay. Oh, did call? Yep. Hang on a second. Hi, Larry. Hi, guys
2: yeah yeah my phone cut out on you. <laughs>
0: we thought maybe you went under a tunnel. I said, oh yeah, it was, in it new was jersey crazy. i'm
2: under a under a New Jersey tunnel, but uh
0: yeah <laughs> never to come out again um you were yeah. talking about uh John Rowland that you guys, yeah didn't... yeah,
2: well, state employees we have you know our state union coalition filed a lawsuit way back in two thousand three uh that, alleging uh that his layoffs were illegal because he targeted union members only and the court system up our, um, position. Uh, he did in fact uh, violate our members right to free association. So, uh, we are in settlement talks actually, um, because we're suing the state. So, um, you know, we are in settlement talks, which is uh, you know, good news. I don't know how long it'll take. It'll take quite a while, but uh, you know, this is a mess again that John Rowland created, so um and he has some potential exposure as an individual to our legal action. So, um sometimes justice takes a long time but it does happen.
0: Well that that's good news for people. I hope I hope they get something out of it because people's lives were seriously affected by those decisions that john Rowland made illegally right thank
1: you for saying that and you know i agree i wanted to ask you are there any any other anything coming up that uh, people should know about any any uh... uh, protests any other
2: anything yeah things are uh... you know relatively quiet we're going to have a uh... You know, we're trying to see what's going on for Labor Day, and um, I'll uh, I'll email you if I uh, hear of any events. I mean, no major protests or rallies uh, coming up.
0: Well, things are are usually pretty quiet in the in the in August. uh, Yeah, I need them
2: to be. I gotta gotta, and I'm gonna be battling in Norwalk and other places. So, uh, (laughs) um, you know, we have our hands full, but. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always good to talk with you.
0: Well, we appreciate having you, too, so that uh, we can let people know what's happening, and it's important to make sure that people understand that, you know, you, your people's rights get nibbled away at, and maybe it's not happening yep. to you now, but it could happen to you next year.
1: So are you Absolutely. Be are you on vacation now
2: or will be or what? Nope, nope, I'm taking uh, Friday. I'm taking long weekends instead of like a one, you know, week. So um, we're getting shifting into a lot of electoral activities, so uh, my calendar's pretty full. So, uh, you know, okay. it's a three-day weekend, and I'm as good as new, guys. <laughs> well, <laughs> great.
0: Well, it's a good weather this weekend, so you ought to have a yeah, really nice Yeah,
2: yeah. All right, well, we'll uh, talk very soon.
0: Good, good, Larry. Thanks thanks, thanks for calling.
2: Thanks, Lila. Thanks, Leo. Be well. Okay. Good night.
0: Good night. That Bye-bye. was Larry Dorman from Council 4 in New Britain, Connecticut. He's the public affairs coordinator, and he's out and about a lot in the state fighting for wages, fighting for rights, fighting to make sure that jobs don't get outsourced, that their good union jobs remain in the state of Connecticut. Yeah.
1: And uh, we've got a few minutes. Well, let's go to a quick, uh, a little music break, and we'll be right back.
0: considering recent policies by the Obama administration and the fact that the military has been preparing for domestic deployment for the past several years. Back in 2009, CNN reported that the U.S. Northern Command, NORTHCOM, wanted to establish regional teams of military personnel to assist civilian authorities in the event of a severe outbreak in America. The plan calls for military task forces to work in conjunction with the Federal Emergency Management Agency, wrote CNN correspondent Barbara Starr. There is no final decision on how the military effort would be manned, but one source said it would likely include personnel from all branches of the military. A few months prior, Air Force General Victor Reinault, said NORTHCOM would provide assistance and support of the civil authorities during an epidemic, adding, when requested and approved by the Secretary of Defense or directed by the President, federal military forces will contribute to federal support. But Reynard also said that U.S. NORTHCOM does not wait for that call to action. What does that mean exactly? Since then, the federal government created a new domestic command structure in which, during a government-declared emergency, the military police would work under FEMA and the Department of Homeland Security for domestic operations with the National Guard. The command structure was leaked by a former MP who secretly recorded a military briefing last September in which an Army commander briefed him and other MPs on their domestic duties with FEMA during martial law, including escorting federal officials as they confiscate firearms from Americans. Let's see what this says. A little video here. Let's see if we listen to the audio part of it.
3: Saying he's a military police, and he says, and we've been sent footage before by military police and others, so I want this footage of them in briefings openly talking about gun confiscations. Now, that's now in the manuals that they're training to quarantine cities and towns and to confiscate guns. We've had Navy SEALs on confirming it. We have the documents. We know that. But footage, not just in some Army manual, but footage could really, really hurt Uh, the folks that are uh, trying to covertly prepare the military for basically civil war. Brian, uh, obviously uh, you've got to go back in right now. Tell us as much as you can and how we get this footage, but describe it for us. Okay, so I was in a briefing with uh, FEMA. FEMA runs my old unit. I'm actually out now. I got out in September of this year. Uh, They were talking about suspension of the Constitution, Second and Fourth Amendment rights being taken away, and I openly ask them, uh, are we going to take guns? He says no, but he says they will. It's clearly on the video. They will, talking about the FEMA guys with us. Um, so that's the gist of the video. You could, uh, I'm filming the floor because it kind of startled me when they said that they're going to suspend the Constitution under martial law, which is pretty scary to me. Hmm. Yeah, pretty much that time, are All your rights, everything
0: is just... To to him. Yeah. So you said that uh, martial law
3: suspends their Second Amendment, so we, I'm not going to, but would you say we would take weapons from people? Yeah, that's what they do. Yeah.
1: That's what they do. But I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I wouldn't agree with that either. I'm the Secretary of my head, the United States. But okay. the defense is during the
2: moment
3: of martial law, we lock up the toll. When the military moves in on your street, they you are now saying you have no more rights for what you're going to take your to That's like the worst case scenario now. So thank you. Yeah. So we're, not, we're not going to be off the street
2: corner and
3: be like,
2: eh, I do Let's feel like you're a citizen the government. You're not going to
3: be involved in a riot and not really have any... It's not like, you're not going to go knock down doors and be like, alright, I need to a You're not going to like, go up each eat out and say... Well, they did that in Katrina, that's why I'm asking. And if we're yeah. talking about shit hitting the fan, I'm not going to do it, but... They're not, not going to do that necessarily. Ooh. It's more or less like... Okay. 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 but Yeah. <laughs> ask yourself what are you doing in this time of great challenge what are you doing to unlock mine? go to infowars.com and listen planet.tv for the latest headlines
0: and All right. Yeah, so what good. he said is they did that in Katrina. That means they took people's guns. Yeah. But well, to make things people... even worse, top military brass have been giving litmus tests to officers from generals down to sergeants, asking them if they will disarm or even fire on U.S. citizens, according to retired U.S. Navy Smeal, SEAL Benjamin Smith. Going back to the beginning of this administration, I've had friends within the community talking about how they were brought in and questioned with people from more towards the top side, Smith told InfoWars. The questioning resulted in, do you feel comfortable disarming American citizens? You can see that now with the shoving of a lot of the offices and stuff like that, we don't have 100% on track, but there's a lot of funny things happening within the military. This likely explains the removal of at least 197 military offices by the White House in the past five years. And in power grabs directly pertaining to the current Ebola crisis, last week President Obama granted himself the power to apprehend and detain Americans who merely show signs of respiratory illness, and the Center for Disease Control is even ready to quarantine Americans who are not sick at all. Such stringent regulations have led to fears that an outbreak of a dangerous communicable disease in the U.S. would lead to massive abuses of power by the federal government and the imposition of martial law. By opening America's borders and by allowing Ebola patients into the U.S., the Obama administration is perpetrating the conditions required for government-declared crisis which could easily result in the deployment of military assets within the country and the disarmament of Americans. The Obama administration is placing its chess pieces on the board to checkmate gun owners, and a potential out- Ebola outbreak could just be the crisis that leads to such an in- game. Okay, here's more on the Ebola outbreak from Alex Jones. Let's see what he says, if I can get it. Okay, it's buffering, folks, it takes a while.
3: And finally tonight, we look deeper at the other angles surrounding the global pandemic that is the Ebola outbreaks of 2014. First off, it's important to understand that we have a long history not just here in the U.S., but with other Western governments, including the Japanese, of secret, lethal, chemical, biological, and radiological testing on populations. So governments have been caught producing weaponized pathogens, both bacterial and viral, and releasing them on their own populations, not just populations that they're having wars with. And this goes to really the whole mad scientist-type system that we've seen pop up in the psychology of scientific elites throughout history, this is not the exception. This is the rule that whether it was the Soviets or the Japanese or the Communist Chinese or the Imperial Chinese or the South Africans or the Mexican government or the U.S. government, they're constantly testing lethal pathogens on their own populations and claiming it's for resource purposes. The the general population is seen as animals or as slaves. So this is part of that larger debate. There's a lot of evidence linking the development of Ebola, and when it first began to show up on the scenes in the last 40 years, to Western bioweapons laboratories that were on the Gold Coast, the Western coast of Africa. 2002, tens of billions of dollars were spent for a program called BioShield, and under the cover of creating cures for biological weapons or treatments, they built bioweapons labs all over the United States, including in populated areas, despite protest, like at the University of Texas in Galveston, right where hurricanes hit, and didn't even put the deadly pathogens in containment facilities underground. They did it in level two facilities. That's just like bringing... Ebola-infected patients to general hospitals. It is a crime. So the question is, why are they so reckless? Now we see two different members of um, the medical community who are U.S. citizens being brought back to a major university hospital in Atlanta, not in a level three or four bioweapons lab where it might be able to be contained, but just under plastic inside of a regular medical facility with part of a wing sealed off. These hospitals can't even control flesh-eating bacteria, MRSA, drug-resistant strep, and other things. So they certainly can't contain Ebola. And about two years ago, top scientists came out, I'm going to show you some of these articles coming up, and said, look, Ebola appears to be actually airborne. Now it's not hardy airborne. It doesn't last a long time in the air, but it does appear in monkey and pig studies to be transferable between different species, but also between the same species, and Ebola appears to be getting stronger and to be mutating. So why is our government shipping people into the U.S. that have Ebola and who can spread it? Now, Ebola can take a while to show up, too, so it's perfect to infect somebody and then bring them in if you want to spread it. And even if only a few hundred people died in the U.S. from Ebola, and they think as many as 33,000 could be infected worldwide right now, around 1,000 deaths, they know of thousands that are infected, but over 30,000, they believe, with the models that have uh, come in contact with it, they believe that it could easily end up breaking out here in the U.S., and just the hype and the fear from that would be crippling for the economy but would allow Homeland Security and other globalist control systems to clamp down medical-wise and have forced inoculations and things and bring another level of tyranny to the United States like 9-11 did. Mm-hmm. Now let's look at the big issue. Al-Qaeda is real, IS is real, ISIS is real, and the globalists running our government and NATO have been giving them chemical weapons to attack Syria, have been giving them uh, the precursors of biological weapons so that they can be able to basically produce them. Just like our own government after 2001 even was still giving Saddam Hussein things like anthrax. Look that up. So yeah. if they ever wanted to release it and blame him, they could say that he had it. So here's the latest leaked Border Patrol high-level report shows the entire world exploiting open U.S. border. But in the report, and Drudge pointed this out today, so at Infowars.com. You notice that of the thousands, 874 that came in from Nigeria alone and got caught, they think they only catch a fraction, so it's actually more than uh, 874. People coming in from Nigeria, Sierra Leone, and countless other areas, just 874 from one country alone in the last year that they caught. And, And here's our headline breaking it down. Ebola may have already crossed border, secret Border Patrol report shows. There's no doubt feds are shipping illegals from Ebola-hit countries across the U.S. at taxpayer expense. CDC concerned about airborne transmission of Ebola virus, InfoWars.com. And our report links to the CDC and to mainline medical journals that were saying two years ago it appears to now be airborne. Did you hear that? In fact, here's the article from two years ago. From pigs to monkeys, Ebola goes airborne. And this report from healthmap.org gives all the links to the CDC and other studies and statements on that front. Now, doctors that have come in from Africa that were even around Ebola have been self-quarantining, and they've been basically asking, Zero Hedge has an article out on it, why weren't we quarantined to begin with? That's federal law. So the issue here, there's a lot of issues, but one of the big issues here is why aren't they doing normal quarantine procedures on doctors that were treating people that are coming back? (laughs) Why did they fly back these Ebola patients and just put them into a hospital full of people, granted on their own part of a wing? Why are they being so reckless? Do they want to be blamed if it breaks out? What's the motive there? Or do they want plausible deniability when they actually release Ebola to bring in, basically, martial law. We've already seen the border drop. We've already seen Al-Qaeda funded to kill 300,000-plus people called ISIS as a new uh, branding name to confuse the public. We've already seen the dollar being devalued. We've already seen Fast and Furious and Benghazi and other false flags. The sky is literally the limit. And now Obama has come out, we'll play a clip of it, and said, hey, I will, I will decide about amnesty by the end of summer, in the next three, four weeks. He will decide. Not Congress, who's already voted and said no, so he's already involved in open borders by executive fiat, it's called dictatorship, so why not go further with guns or anything else for that matter? Here's that clip. Well, I will continue to push House Republicans to drop the excuses and act, and I hope their constituents will too, America cannot wait forever for them to act. That's why today I'm beginning a new effort to fix as much of our immigration system as I can on my own without Congress. I have said over and over again that they are staging crises and exacerbating them. Al-Qaeda is real, but they're being funded by the West so they can take our liberties. Just like Katrina, they order a stand down of the local police and military, cause a disaster to be much worse. FEMA then demanded double the funding for disasters and got it. Mm -hmm. Government in the past would get in trouble for screw-ups. Now they get more power out of screw-ups. And since they became unaccountable and get rewarded for things getting worse, they're making things worse by design to get more control. They don't let a good crisis go to waste, whether it's Ebola, whether it's the border collapsing, whether it's drug-resistant TB, you name it. And they came out this week again and announced, homegrown Tea Party, libertarian gun owners, veterans, are the number one terror threat, and they believe we're going to start blowing stuff up. Well, what they're saying is, we're going to stage stuff and blame it on our only opposition, a group that still understands what America is all about and who wants stability and rule of law and freedom. We're going to set them up like we've set everybody else up. What you're witnessing is the conquering of America. What you're witnessing is the takeover if we let them do it. The good news is patriots for more than 60 years have known of this globalist plan. They've been proven right over and over again. Most of them were former military, CIA.
0: Well, we want to thank Alex Jones for that. And
1: um, he's you raised
0: you. a lot of interesting points. Why did they bring, why did they bring those people back here? What was the purpose? I kinda of wondered myself, why would they bring it back they, when they have two
1: and why hospitals
0: quarant- in Africa that the C D C has yeah, two big yeah, centers?
1: Yeah. And why did why did they bring why did why did they bring back the doctors uh, that were working there, uh without quarantining them? It's because yes. they they're trying to develop a, a plausible uh reason for the escape of that virus. They and
2: so. uh, and they, you know,
1: you can blame Obama for this, you can blame CDC for this, you can blame the globalist bastards who are who are, who are doing this to us. I, I swear to God, I mean it is just, it's just We'll, I, it's we'll beyond, see what
0: happens.
1: It's beyond the, the, the,
0: the, the I mean, it just seems un, unreasonable to bring these people yeah, back it's, it's here when they the have
1: reason, yeah. when they
0: have two centers for disease control in Africa right. where they where they could have been treated
1: where they, they were sponsoring and, this thing. I mean, and
0: why, a, why expose all the people at that hospital to no. that disease?
1: And anybody involved with it with, at the airport or anywhere? It's it's,
0: just, it just didn't know, make sense. Is that
1: suit supposed to save safe. everybody? I, I don't think so.
0: But no, anyway, no, we're right yeah. to the end of our show. No, it's no, a little no, bit after it. nine. We thank you very much for being yeah. with us, and um, have a good evening, folks.
1: Yeah,
0: and uh, we'll talk to you more next.